welcome to another episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. Tommy Tahoe, your host here. Uh, I'm on the journey uh, for a better life. I'm taking you with me. Thank you so much for listening. Um, really excited for this episode. Uh, linking it out here on the 4th of July. Hope you guys are eating your hot dogs, having your Budweiser's, doing your thing, seeing those fireworks, uh, and enjoying you know kind of a lighter week uh, in terms of the workload. But the show goes on for the podcast, baby. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I have a great interview today uh, that I'm going to get into in a second with Josh Miller. First things first, you know the drill. want to shout out Susan Rogers as the fan of the week. Susan, great seeing you last week. Love you and the family uh, out in North Andover, Mass. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Keep it up. Uh, keep sharing it out. Got a lot of love. Um, thanks to anyone else that's listening, that's sharing it out, that's supporting on uh, Instagram and Twitter. I'm Tommy Tahoe there. Coming to the site, TomAlamo.com. Um, thank you so much for the support. That just keeps flowing in. And we're on a mission, baby. We're on a mission to get on that iTunes chart. So thank you. Every, every little bit counts. For today's interview, I have with me Josh Miller. You know, something that I think a lot of people get caught up in is excuse making. And, you know, saying, oh, I'm too old to do this or I'm too young. I have too much experience. I don't have enough in the right areas. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm too busy or I don't have enough going on or this and that. And, you know, the guest here is Josh Miller. And, you know, he sees his age as his greatest strength. And, you know, he's a student, he's an entrepreneur, he's a thought leader. He's the founder and CEO of Deciding Edge uh, with a mission of creating a platform um, that organizations can understand how to recruit, retain, and sell to Gen Z. Uh, he's also the director of Gen Z studies at XYZ University. And, um, oh, shit, sorry, I forgot to even mention. He's, he's 16 years old. 16 people. He is in high school in Minnesota um, and on the side is a CEO and a director of Gen Z studies. And you know, his whole pitch is that, you know, he's part of Gen Z and there's no one that knows that audience better than him. And he, I was just blown away by how professional Josh was, the answers that he could provide, the work that he's doing, um, the cool head that he has, and he's really mature for his age. So I think you're really going to like this one. Check him out, and we're going to get right on into the interview right now with Josh Miller. Thanks for listening. Everyone just kind of heard a little bit about you uh, in the intro, and I think they're they're probably excited and a little surprised to hear such a rap sheet of accomplishments by someone that's that's only 16. So, you know, the first thing I'd love to know is, you know, when I was 16, I, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what I was doing, um, but it wasn't, you know, being the CEO of, of, of a business. So I'd love to know, like, why are you doing all of this work? <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate it, Tom. And uh, thank you for having me on the podcast this morning. I really appreciate it. To answer your question, I've always had a really distinct um, and important passion in business, entrepreneurship, leadership. And I felt that there was a great opportunity for me to use my age, for me to use my my experience, for me to use my passion into really creating a product um, and, and, and branding myself as someone who can help bring the Gen Z perspective into the corporate world, into the association worlds, really into any um, organization that needs to understand how to reach young people. And I saw a great opportunity into doing that, being that I am 16 years old, and that uh, there's very few other folks doing this, what I'm doing, and being able to offer the perspective that I can. 
So it, it's been great so far, and it's been a great opportunity to connect with some amazing people and to uh, be able to uh, have some very cool opportunities, uh, such as doing this podcast and some very other neat things as well. So yeah, so thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah, man. No, anytime. You mentioned you know you've always had a passion for entrepreneurship. Is is that something that you know before you started this company, like? Were you were you thinking about this for a long time? Like when you were a kid, were you selling lemonade? Like, tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, so I actually had a pretty interesting story on this. So when I was, I think I was thirteen at the time, I won a, a grant through an organization called Fuel Up to Play Sixty and their sister organization, the Gen Youth Foundation. So Play Sixty was it, it's the organization that's run by the NFL. And the National Dairy Council. Yep. Um, so you'll see all the Play 60 signs on the NFL fields. Uh, so I was a pretty big ambassador in, uh, for that program. And through one of the uh, opportunities that I was given, I was able to go to Omaha, Nebraska, and meet with uh, none other than the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett. And so that was a pretty amazing experience for me and really sort of lit the entrepreneurial fire inside of me. Um, and so ever since then, I've been able to, uh, especially with that organization, for a few years after that, it was with some great opportunities. I launched an exercise program within my uh, school, and it, it, that really uh, was my first uh, dip my toe in into the entrepreneurship field. Um, and now, I, I, then I thought I was ready to sort of go out on my own and see uh, and see what I could do. Wow! So you can't just come on here and, and drop Warren Buffett's name and, and not think I'm going to dive a little bit deeper. So that's cool. So you uh, became a big ambassador for Play Sixteen and. And how old are you at that time? And and what exactly? So they fly you out to Omaha, and you and you have like a little meet and greet with him. I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it was it was myself and four other students um, from all over the country that all that also had those uh, ideas. And so it was pretty amazing. He he sat us down in his office. He t- t- took us through his life story, some pieces of advice. He also gave me a stock tip. But if I told you, I'd have to kill you. So uh, I'm not going to talk about that. But uh, yeah, so it was great. It was great. Really, really down to earth guy, really, uh, really humble guy and somebody that a lot of people should be looking up to. That's cool. That's cool. Do you remember any of the advice that he shared outside of the stock tip? Because I'm I'm not looking to die today. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, there were a lot of interesting things that he uh, went over. Some of it was about leadership. Some of it was about just being a relative, just being a good person in general. And I think that's that's something that he really lives by. Uh, the the amount of uh, philanthropic work that he's done is pretty astounding, and so I really try to carry some of those values with me um, in my business endeavors and my personal endeavors as well. Goes to show you that he's one of, if not the wealthiest person in the world, depending on the week. And you know, he takes time out of his day to meet with you know five kids that that come out and, and have a competition and right. i just think that's a really cool value that that he displays there absolutely and and you also mentioned in the first like few sentences that you were talking about the the, the re, one of the reasons why outside of the passion is that you know you want to use your age to your advantage and i think something that a lot of people both my age your age maybe everyone's age depending on how old or young you are relatively uses use their age as an excuse. Oh, I'm too young to start a company. I'm too old to start a company. Anything right. like that. Right, like right, was right. that instilled in you um like naturally like hey, I'm going to use this as my advantage or did someone get, share that advice with you? Or it just seems something that is like a very mature thought to have at any age. 
you know, I'm young. I've got nothing to lose. We'll see what's going to happen. And luckily, through a lot of hard work, a lot of patience, and uh, getting lucky a few times as well, I was able to uh, really, really um, make some noise in the field. I get some cool media attention, which has really introduced me to some great people. So how I look at it is my age is is my biggest strength and my biggest weakness. It's my biggest strength because it's unique. It offers, it gives me the opportunity to offer a very unique value proposition. But at the same time, it's a weakness because there are right there are those skeptics that are this kid's sixteen years old. What does he know? I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna pay him to do this or this or this. Um, but that's where you know some of my mindset and and some of my ideas have come in uh, and that and that actually leads me to um to, uh, it's a great segue to my uh relationship with xyz university so xyz university is one of the nation's uh, leading and only generational research firms helping to provide organizations and associations with generational intel um to help uh to help reduce generational conflicts to help, uh, to help to help organizations understand how to really navigate the the talent pipeline struggle that we're having right now with all the baby boomers that are retiring and this next uh, generation that's going to enter the workforce. And so the reason I bring that up is because m- my goals are to accentuate my strengths and limit my weaknesses. And by partnering with an established firm, um, I, I'm their director of Generation Z Studies. It gives me the opportunity to still use my age and use my perspective, but also, um, but, but, but also use a relationship with an established, incredible firm to really give me some very cool opportunities and give me some and give me some credibility as well. So it, it's really a very um, happy. It's a very happy medium for me, and so, and, and it's a it's a position that I'm very happy to be in. That's interesting, and and that company, if I'm right, like has um you know performs studies and does a lot of research to help advise companies on how to attract and retain and treat uh workers from I know Gen Z but probably other generations as well and how to um maybe switch up your management style or your recruitment style to fit each generation is that right right that's exactly right so for example the first project that uh, I did as a part of the XYZ University team was collaborating with uh, their CEO. She's a woman named Sarah Sladek. So she's written five books. She's a, uh, she's a world-renowned keynote speaker. And we partnered on that uh, study uh, called, the, called uh, Ready or Not, Here Comes Gen Z, where we surveyed almost 2,000 generations years globally about what does just next generation mean for the future of work. And we got some great feedback on that uh, survey, and we got some very interesting insights into what this next generation is going to mean for the future of work. Cool. So what can you expand on that a little bit, like some of the things that you found out? Sure, sure, sure. So some of the key things that we, that we discovered was, one, that Generation Z craves security and stability. The reason for that is because we grew up uh, during the recession where we saw our parents' Generation X their median net worth decreased by 45%. And so that's really instilled in us a sense of, of, of competitiveness. It's instilled in us a sense of where, where we need stability because we really haven't known it our, our entire um, adolescence uh, lives. And so, for example, we found out that 66% of Generation Z prefers a job with financial stability over a job that we enjoy. 
And that's a very stark uh, contrast to the millennials, where they're much more focused on finding a, mean, a job with meaningful work. And so I think that that's a very key insight that we found in our study. Uh, there were a few other very key insights that we found as well. For example, we, we discovered how does Gen Z prefer to learn? Uh, and we discovered that only 7% of us prefer to learn by listening. And that's an issue because right now in the educational uh, world, so much of the education is done through traditional methods of lectures and things like that. And that's also going to translate over to the workforce. And so how can organizations, how can, how can businesses, how can educational institutions provide content that's engaging enough to keep Gen Z off of our phones is essentially what that's uh, getting at. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's cool. Especially the, the latter piece you're talking about, about how people learn, like, uh, hearing it versus visually, like I'm a visual learner for sure. And, you know, you brought up the point about like the technology and, you know, it's been quite some time since I was in high school and uh, that's when I got my first flip phone. But I'd have to imagine nowadays, and you could tell me straight up, like people must be, it must be such a real struggle in the educational system to get any kid's attention right now based on all the distractions out there and the fact that the teaching practices are, mostly outdated. I'm sure there's some schools that, you know, are on the cutting edge, but the majority are doing the same lecture style that they have been, you know, for for decades. Yes, you are absolutely right about that, Tom. And that's one of the main industries that's really struggling right now to engage Generation Z is education. So this is the first year where all of um, K through 12 education and undergraduate for college is made up of Generation Z. So I'll give you some of the parameters of the generation. So how we're defining Gen Z is anyone who was born between 1996 and 2009. And, and the reason that it's 1996 is because we're defining it as those who, did not, those who do not remember 9-11. And I think that's really, really interesting because... If 9-11 is history to you, then you're a member of Generation Z. Um, and, I think that, and I think that really shed some interesting insights. Um, and the reason that education is uh, struggling so much right now is just because, as you said, they're, being so, they're, they're stuck in the past, a lot, a lot of the school systems. Um, and that even goes beyond the lectures and the teaching and learning styles. But it's also because Gen Z is so competitive that we feel like we're working towards a test. Um, and for Generation Z, we go to school not necessarily to learn, but rather to get good grades. And that's a real issue that needs to be addressed. And that's the reason that um, our country as a whole is kind of falling behind um, in the educational world. So, I mean, I, I think that's something, too, that that's spanned for a long time. Like the way that the school system is set up is to say, here are the 200 facts that you need to learn about you know, geometry. You need to know them by Tuesday. You take the, you cram all night. You take the test. You'd get whatever grade you get. And then you forget it two weeks later. Is that how you learn, though? Or have you found personally a different way to learn? Because like, maybe it's different for school versus what you're doing on um, like XYZ University. But you know these, these stats cold. And you, you sound like you, know, you clearly know what you're talking about in these, in, in these trends. So like, how are you learning all of this and retaining all of this when you have to take in a lot of information on a daily basis? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I think that's something that you're going to find throughout a lot of Gen Zers' lives is that there is a lot of information being thrown at us. And we have to figure out the best way to, to retain all of it. And the best answer that I can give you to that question 
is I think that what it comes down to, what it comes down to for me at least, and I would assume for the rest of the generation as well, that it comes down to what you're passionate about. And if and I found my passion um, doing the work for XYZ University for Deciding Edge and figuring out um, and really being a voice for my generation, where that to me is a lot more meaningful than say uh, studying for a math test. Um, and so I think that's pretty interesting about uh, how the amount of engagement you get is based on the amount of interest. That trend continues into the working life. Like what I see yeah. um, in the millennial generation is a lot of people have uh, side hustles they're working on. And, you know, sometimes it's because it's a passion, like, you know, what I'm doing here with the podcast and, and I'm uh, in sales full time. But some people do it as a way of, you know, they just hate their nine to five job. They have to stick with it financially, but on the side, they're they're painting or they're they're doing something else, you know. And so I think it's trying to make it focusing on what you're passionate about is is the best way to learn, at least from what I've seen. And I, I want to get into um, a little bit more about your experiences too, right? Like so, sure. um, obviously, you know, you're a 16 year old, you're in high school, and you're doing all of this um, on the side of that. So. Um, which is really impressive. And to my knowledge, you've met with uh, and presented some of this data to Fortune 500 companies and executives. Is that right? Sure, 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 sure. Yep. So some of our biggest uh, clients are those big companies, these big trade associations. Uh, the, the, the client list goes on and on. So walk me through how you, like some of the meetings that you've been in, because I'm, I'm really fascinated because, you know, I'm, I'm 24 and I look like I'm 16. If we stood next to each other, people probably would think that we're, you know, we're twin brothers or something like <laughs> when I had, when, you know, when I started in my sales job, something that was really, really hard for me and still is sometimes is uh, being able to go into a room with someone that is 30 years older and, you know, has been doing this for 30 years longer and knows, you know, a lot more than you do about just business and just has more experience. And you're going in there and trying to, tell them about your product or sell them or educate them um, and seem credible. So like, has that, I'd have to imagine that's been a struggle for you. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and that's where it comes back to accentuating the strength of my value proposition and voiding the weakness of my age. And I think that's where it comes with working alongside some very uh, influential and very talented people, some very credible people. And really putting out the research, putting in the work to show that, hey, I know what I'm doing and I can do this. So when you, when you walk into that room, do you feel nervous? Do you feel confident? What goes through your head? And maybe that's changed over time. I think that's just uh, some of the normal things that any speaker gets across any industry, whether a professional speaker or not. Um, but the nervousness is always a part of it. But for me, I look at it as every opportunity with excitement. I'm excited for it, the ability to get in front of these people and give them a little bit about myself, about my story, about my work. So every time I look at that, I look at it as an opportunity that I'm excited for. That's cool. Um, do you do anything prior to the meeting or prior to speaking to, you know, on stage to get your mind right, whether that's, you know, you listen to uh, pump up music or you meditate or you write things down? Like, does anything, do you have any rituals? You know, I don't yet, but hearing you say that makes me think that I should. 
So I think I'm going to find something to focus on from now on. Yeah, well, it's not that you you necessarily should or shouldn't, um, but I have found like from the people that I've talked to, a lot of them, you know, what what keeps coming up is like meditation or some form of like calming the mind before something like that. And not to jump around too much, but there's one other thing that I really wanted to touch on. And I, I read an article that you wrote called The Letter to the Gen Z Entrepreneur. Yes. And I think it it really was impactful for me because it's it, it could almost be broader than that. And And you wrote about essentially there's so many quote unquote entrepreneurs out there and you label it to Gen Z, but I think it spans to millennials and it could span to more generations than that potentially. Where the focus is, you know, uh, it seems as though people's focus is on claiming they're an entrepreneur and showing off, um, you know, the the car that they bought or, um, you know, that they are taking this trip to Aruba or the watch they own or, or, you know, all of the superficial things that come with success and maybe inflating that success so people think that, you're doing better than you are and, and trying to play that that type of game um, where, you know, you say your focus is more so what we talked about originally, like having passion for what you're doing and and helping others and, you know, being authentic. And, you know, I'd love to hear, like, if there was something in particular that inspired that post or just hear you talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that as we live in the age of Instagram, as we live in the age of Snapchat, I, I, I just think that there's so many ways for people to hide who they really are. And that's less about that and more just about what do you value? What do you prioritize? And, 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 and to me, you know, a real successful person is someone who's able to take their success and help other people be successful as well. And for me, it just really upsets me um, when people are, are taking their success and inflating it, and not even that more so inflating it, but using it to purchase things, to do things A, B, and C, buy this car, buy this house, go on this trip, like you were saying, um, because it makes you unapproachable. And, and, and for me, what's so important to me is the ability to connect with people, to be approachable, to the to have passion and compassion in the world of business. Cause I think that's something that a lot of us are lacking and the most successful people are the, are, are the ones with the high emotional intelligence and the ones that have the ability to um, open themselves up and, and be able to offer a helping hand when it's needed. And I'm just not seeing that in a lot of entrepreneurs, especially young ones. And I'm hoping that as we progress as a generation um, and, and, and and as we progress as a society as a whole, th- that's going to change. Yeah, well, I, I agree. Um, and I see, and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this from a quote from uh, Sarah Blakely, who is um, the CEO of Spanx, and I think she's like the youngest billionaire woman in America. But she says that money's just a magnifying glass, and it it just accentuates who you already are. So if you're a kind person... Money's only going to make you kinder. If if you're a jerk and egotistical, the money's only going to accentuate that, and on and on. So, um, I think it just kind of reveals more about who someone is once they start to be successful, or maybe they're just uh, faking their success. But but in reality, you know, it actually kind of fires me up when I see uh, you know a 17 year old or a 26 year old or whatever like flouting, you know, touting that that watch or whatever it is. Um, knowing that you know we've been in such a great economy the last nine years, and it's it's uh, you know it's been a relatively easy time to make money just compared to 
you know, the crash that was hit, that we hit in 2008. And like, once that comes back again, and, and we hit a tough market, and like, the money's not flowing as easily, I know that those people are going to be going down the tubes, because they're not doing it for the passion, like you're saying, they're not doing it because they love it, or because they want to help other people. They're doing it so they can get 5000 likes on their Instagram. And that's just not sustainable. So I'm actually excited when I see that. Okay, that's a really interesting perspective. And I think that's a very interesting mindset as well that a lot of people are too naive to understand. So good for you on that. (laughs) Thanks, man. All right. Um, So Josh, last question for you. Um, I know that you recently, because you didn't have enough enough on your plate already with the business and school and with all the extracurriculars, uh, but you just launched the Gen Z podcast. Is that right? Yes, we did. You can find it on, on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Spotify. I think you can find it on Stitcher and then on Google Play, I think are the four. But yeah, so feel free to check that out. We'll be discussing Generation Z um, along with a list of expert guests talking about some pop culture trends, uh, so, so some how-tos on how to engage Gen Z, and, and, and it'll be a good time. It'll be fun. Cool. Yeah, so everyone go check that out. Subscribe, leave a review. You know the drill. And Josh, you know the last thing for you, you know, do you have any other uh, last words of wisdom here for the audience? And then where else uh, outside of the podcast can we find you on social media and, and your site and everything like that? For sure, for sure. So feel free to find me on, on my website. You can send me an email at jmiller at xyzuniversity.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, the jo- uh, at thejoshmiller.1. Find me on Twitter at, at underscore jmiller1231. And, uh, and, and then uh, on LinkedIn as well, I'm, I'm pretty active on there. And yeah, feel free to connect, reach out, and uh, always open to a conversation. Cool. All right, people. Well, you heard the man. Reach out to him. Let him know what you thought, thought of the podcast and, and connect on, on everything Gen Z related. Josh, thanks so much for the time, man. Um, appreciate it. And uh, for the listeners, we'll be back next week with another episode. Great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to that interview with Josh Miller. Hope you found value there. Um, if you are interested in learning more about Millennial Momentum, you can check me out tomalamo.com, Tommy Tahoe on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, hit me up. Uh, let me know what you thought of the show. Guess you want to see uh, what you like, what you don't like. Share this with a friend. Got a lot of love for you. Hope you had a great 4th of July, and let's keep crushing it. Out.